0: Thanks for listening to another life-transforming message from the team here at C3 Southwest Washington. To find out more about our church, visit C3SWWA.com. Seated, grab your Bible, and uh, thank you, worship team. Great job to our students and to our leaders for leading us into worship. Amen. And I'm sure that you picked up. Next week we begin. Uh, we shift our three services into two, and you know that at 9:15 this will become our uh, our masked gathering, where we're going to invite everyone in, but we're going to require mass for people when they come in. And our 11 o'clock will be an unrestricted gathering. Of course, mass are always welcome, but they will not we will not be policing or requiring that in that gathering. And I know that that is uh, we're, our our effort, our desire is to serve everyone in our church body. I think our, the thing that we're going to be also. Shifting in is trying to provide an element of children's ministry. Our C3 Kids in both of those gatherings beginning next week. So we're excited about that. Okay. So uh, the idea of worship is just simply, um, in its language in the Old Testament, it's a bowing down in honor, and it's a really it's a it's a posture of the heart that is reflected outwardly. It's an honoring to God, and it's a a way of. Of navigating any situation. As you read the Bible, you'll discover that everything can be done as a form of worship. And I would even argue that everything is done as a form of worship. It's just maybe not worship to God. Sometimes we do things and we kind of bow down to ourselves, or we bow down to other people, we bow down to values that we have. Uh, We bow down to society. We honor them. But the intention of scripture is that we love the Lord our God with all our heart, strength, soul, and mind, that we have no other gods before him. First commandment, Exodus chapter 20. And so the idea of honoring God or worshiping God is God is the one that we bow to. And as you read the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, it says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. And if there's anything that uh, has been valuable for me to learn in this lifetime is that everything can be done in worship. If you think worship is just these moments where we lift our hands, where we pray, where we come together as a church family, you'd be missing what the New Testament describes. Everything can be done in as a form of worship, you could drive a truck and worship God. Your skill set—not everybody can pull triples down through the gorge or down south. Some people can't even drive their own car. Okay, they got nothing on the backside of them. Um, Some—if uh, you run a business, you can run your business to glorify God. Churches don't just glorify God. CEOs can glorify God. Politicians can glorify God. You can parent to glorify God. Some people actually parent in a way to glorify themselves. Hey. Act right. Stand up tall. Why? Because you are a reflection of me, and I want to be honored. And that's why a lot of times parents will try to hide the shortcomings of their children or keep lots of family secrets because they don't want to appear as poor parents. They actually don't realize it, but their parenting actually is a bowing to themselves to a degree. Now, not to micromanage every little aspect of our lives, but if you have a heart to worship God with whatever you do, it will come across to the heart of God as a form of worship. When you get out there and do your chores, students, because you love to do your chores, but you can actually not just do them for your parents, you can actually serve God by doing your chores well. In fact, if you put God at the front of everything that you do, everything that you do will be honorable to him, and you'll find it will honor everyone else. Any amens in this place at all from parents, okay? But there is a very specific concept that there are formal moments of corporate worship, where people come together, and their actions now are not to do business, their actions are not to run a company. It's not to do chores or tasks, but we lean forward and we step in specifically as a corporate family to do what—to worship God. It's those formal corporate corporate moments where God's people collectively come together, and we call this worship. And so this morning, that's what we're doing. The scripture that we read out of First, uh, um, out of Second uh, Samuel. About David was actually a moment of formal worship. If you go back, David was actually bringing the Ark of the Covenant from a house that had been set aside in and and bringing it about, I I think it's about 50, uh, 31 miles from the house it was in to a formal tabernacle that he set up. And he wanted this to be formal. His intention was as we come together, me and God's people, we're going to worship God. And in the process, we're going to bring honor and glory to God. We're going to actually bow down in everything that we do. So he gathered 30,000 soldiers, the priests, the entire nation. And on that 31-mile journey, every six paces, they sacrificed oxen and sheep. Now, the idea here wasn't just to slaughter some animals. It was actually... Having a barbecue, a meal, a celebration was prepared with every one of those offerings, people lining the streets for some 31 31 miles offering 54,000 plus animals. That's that's bigger than 4th of July for any of us, right? And in the process, people lined, and they followed the route. So as the route moved through, people filled in behind, and thousands and thousands of people made their way on this day as the Ark of the Covenant arrived in Jerusalem, and people were cheering, and they were shouting, and they were celebrating. David had set up instruments, singers, and dancers, and the cool thing was David refused to To just have a presentation, David made an invitation for all to participate. And David jumped out there in the middle of this process, and the Bible says that he was twirling and he was leaping. He was not allowing others to worship. He was inviting all to worship and step into that moment with God. In the process, at the end of the day, he blessed the people, he gave them bread, some meat, a cake, and then he sent them home. And as a little side note here, when you worship God, it's never just you pushing things out there to God as a gift. There's always things that you receive back into your life in the process. I don't know about you, but every time I worship God, I walk away with more than what I've offered. Anybody, okay. You could participate with me this morning, okay? Okay, now the Bible is filled with similar instances of corporate worship in the Old Testament, the New Testament, including detailed instructions. Uh, and, and some of this was incorporated in what David did, but we also see it in other places in scripture. There's prayer. And it's not the quiet, put your hands in your pockets. It's prayer out loud, everybody praying along uh, by the priest and by the audience alike. There is singing. And then there is Clapping. And it's probably not the little golf clap. Oh, that was amazing. It's stinging clapping where your hands feel like they're about to, to burst open on fire as you're applauding what you see, but also the King of Heaven, right? And we see clapping. We see the raising of hands. We see choirs. We see performances. New Testament, there's the act of communion, this beautiful celebration of a meal where not the priest is eating the meal and we all stand back and watch, but we as the family, we celebrate together and we partake. Participate in it. We see also in the New Testament, the reading of scripture, preaching and teaching, and and we see the function in the New Testament of supernatural gifts. There's this idea that God is going to hover down on his people and there's going to be some supernatural moments that take place as God meets with his people. Do you understand that those of you who are at home, those of you who are in this room, there is also someone else that is here. And if he's not, let's go home. Anybody? You ever been in one of those church services where you're like, whoa, I'm not sure where God was. I'll tell you where he was. He was behind the door that you did not open. That's a stinger for all of us. I've had those moments. Come on, man. Why does the band get like the, that's not, that song doesn't work for me. Ultimately, it doesn't matter whether the song works for any of us, it's reaching out and unlocking the presence of God through our own praise and through our own worship. It's that process of bowing down that opens up the door to step into God's presence. And supernatural things happen. It was participatory, in other words, everybody had a, had a role to play, and it was also demonstrative. And I know that makes some people in some churches and some places somewhat nervous, but it was demonstrative. It wasn't hands in pockets, stand still, worship God like a statue, because that's all over the place in the Bible. Stand rigidly and glorify God, right? That's one of the prescriptions for worship. It's actually not. So let me give you a couple of points that I really want to emphasize for us here. Um, Number one, we lean into biblical forms of demonstrative worship by design. It is not just what we do, it is actually who we are. And I say that because in the process of all that's going on in the world in in our church and online and people stepping into our our gatherings, coming from different places, maybe never been in church to also um, having been at a church that's a little little less active than we are. And we're always pushing that envelope. We want you to know that this is by design. We We are energetic and we we raise our hands and we sing out loud and we challenge you to sing and we challenge you to raise your hands, not because it's just a thing that we do, because at the core of who we are, this is a deep, owned value. Amen? Amen. You know, my background was going to church for about six years as a teenager, the longest 45 minutes of my life, and that's all it was. My pastor's message was the longest 15 minutes, and who has ever heard me speak for only 15 minutes, right? But the, the idea there was that going into church, I watched church take place. I watched worship take place by a choir and instrumental Uh, do a presentation, a pastor speak, he took the communion, and we stood out on the outside looking in, and in the process, I have to be really honest with you, and this is my fault as well, I did not ever experience the presence of God there, I never had an encounter with God, I never had a moment of aha. I never had a moment where I was like, whoa, what is, th- what is that feeling? I never looked around at me and was inspired by the other way people scowled with their hands in their pockets wondering, when is this going to be over? It never inspired me to want to be there. Then yeah. I remember the time when I walked into a crazy church like ours, where people were in the audience were louder than the people on the platform. Where It's the 80s, so they had tambourines and they were kind of doing their thing. Most of them didn't have rhythm, but in the process, the people were actually singing the songs. They were singing them like they had value. When someone was preaching, they said amen. Why why would they do that? Because they were not listening to a message. They were participating in what God was saying. That's a key. That's why I challenge you to say amen. Not so that my ego gets stroked, so that you step into what God is saying to you. It's why uh, in the process, understanding that we were created to worship God, um, but sometimes we, we don't worship God because we don't recognize the opportunity. And we want to give you the opportunity every time you walk into this place. It's part of the reason why we corporately gather. Our actual... Um, We're adamant about this, that once you experience the presence of God for yourself, you will never be the same. It's just the reality. I am fully convinced that you could have any argument against God that you could come up with. And the moment, for the first time in your life, you step in and experience God, it will change that argument and you'll be convinced for the rest of your life that there is a God. He loves me and I want to serve him, right? And so that is why we push in that arena. In fact, you'll notice that not only do we create the opportunity, but we're always encouraging and we're always coaching your participation. And to be really honest with you, that could be frustrating (laughs) for you. I actually had a discussion with somebody one time who told me, I don't appreciate when the worship leader is like, hey, lift your hands. I'm not going to lift my hands because he tells me to lift my hands. I need to lift my hands when I feel moved to lift my hands. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't typically feel moved to lift my hands. I don't feel moved to exercise. I don't feel moved to save money. I don't feel, when I was, um, Corey coaches wrestling, most of your wrestlers don't feel like practicing. They don't feel like doing push-ups. but when they do, the emotion kicks in, and then the payoff is as they participate. This is what I am of the firm belief for you here in this room, those of you at home, is that deep down in, because you've been wired to worship God, there is a desire. There's a craving to worship God. There's a deep, deep desire, but most of you need permission to do it. And the reason why is because everything in your world is pushing back against you worshiping God. It's the, it is the actual, the disease of this world says, don't worship God. And I'll give you some reasons why in just a moment. But I actually believe that you deep down really want to. And so if it ever comes across as manipulation, good, because maybe you need to be manipulated. <laughs> Make no excuses for it. And there will be an element of a point where you're just going to have to understand that this is the heart of God for you. And the person you're aggravated is not at the worship leader, not at church leadership. You know, when we start to pray, one thing you'll hear me say regularly is, come on, lift up your voices. What do we got to scream in prayer all the time? No, but when we corporately come together, there's a power that is created when you pray for a number of reasons why. But prayer was meant to be corporate. When the disciples said, teach us how to pray, Jesus taught us. It wasn't so that you learn to pray. It's so that we learn to pray together. The Lord's prayer is not for you to pray. It's for us to pray. It's a a model on how corporate prayer should happen. And what did he say? And when you pray, do what? Say. He didn't say, and when you pray, think. And when you pray, push it out through the spiritual realm. He said, and when you pray, say. You want to know why? There is power when you say stuff. Those of you who are single, if you just try to send your love beams to the, the <laughs> person you want to marry and you say, Marry me, but you say it through love beams, that person is going to break up with you after about six years and be like, moving on, because you never said it. You can't just you can't say sorry just by reflecting sorrow. There's a power in the spoken word I am sorry. And worship's the exact same way. It's demonstrated. It's pushed out. And so we want you to pray out loud because Jesus said, when you come together corporately and you pray, if you want to be effective in your prayer, you got to say something. And believe it or not, that is completely for. It was completely foreign to me one day. Walking into church, come on, everybody lift up your voice. Well, what am I supposed to say? Talk to God. What if I don't do it right? What if somebody hears me? What if I get tripped up in my words, right? I mean, can you imagine your grand, my grandchild saying to me, "I would talk to you, grandpa," but I just don't want to mess it up. There is no messing it up. Amen. There, I've heard everything from. Uh, to goo goo gaga, to papa, to mispronunciations, to very great articulations, and every one of them had value to me. There's a growing process in all of this. So we'll always say things like lift up your hands, lift up your voice, clap your hands. Amen? Amen. Every person leading our gathering is always coached to do this. Every person who stands up behind this pulpit, everybody who stands up behind a microphone, they're after one thing, certainly for the Lord to show up in this room, but to engage your participation, because ultimately, that's what a priest does. A priest takes his hand and grabs someone else's, grabs God's hand, and connects the two together, and if your hand is not connected to the Lord's hand this morning, then we fail in our mission, okay? That's what our belief, that's our passion to see you connected with God, not to amen. I don't go home. So some people will say to me at times, Steve, you know, you, you, you ask us to participate, but like, I'm there, I'm there. Like I was just so in, en, en, Nobody's ever used that word, but I will. <laughs> i was so enraptured by what you said. Look, I can see your eyes. I know that you're connected, but your vocal participation isn't for me. That's the thing you got to grab onto. It's not for me. I'm not just saying, I'm not saying, oh, that's good to, to, to Jenny while she's taking up the offering. I'm saying it so that everyone else hears it. I'm saying it so that every demon in hell that does not want us to be generous hears it. And the God of heaven who responds to the spoken word will respond to it as well. Angels don't read minds. They respond to situations. Yeah. I'm just telling you, there's amazing things that happen when we are demonstrative. Let me give you, okay, with point number two, you get ready to go? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Okay, worship is more than a gift we give. It's a key that unlocks access to all of heaven's resources. I'm just telling you, it, it is, is a biblical concept. Worship is offering something to God, but let's be honest. Does God really need me to lift my hands? I mean, What's that going to do for all of heaven? Woo, Steve's hand went up. Come on, give the Lord a clap. Uh, like I'm really giving something of value? That's how we process a lot of this in our mind. We see big gifts and small gifts, but the reality of this corporate demonstrative form of worship not only does offer something to God that he values because our posture means things, the way we stand. (sighs) (sighs) These things mean things, right? But it also is not just an offering. That posture unlocks things in return. Every parent knows what it's like to have a gift for their child and not want to give it because of the child's attitude or posture. (laughs) The worst behavior that you'll ever observe will be on Christmas Eve with your children because they turn into psychos. We used to experience that. Steve would pace back and forth from the beginning of the morning to the end of the morning, just be all crazy and wondering when, when are we gonna start opening gifts? Just, I mean, he gets so ramped up on it. And a part of you was like, we're just gonna wait till the morning time and do it like all the other pagans do it in the morning. <laughs> Little plug for Christmas Eve there. Jesus, Jesus got his gifts at nighttime because the men traveled and they saw the star. It wasn't daytime. Open your gifts in the evening. Anyways, worship does more than offer gifts to God. Worship gives a physical Hear this, a physical and an emotional and a spiritual access to God. If you feel like you've not experienced the presence of God in a while, I would challenge you it's within your, it's within your power to be able to unlock that yourselves. Because we can help you to experience the presence of God here on a Sunday morning. The idea isn't so that you'll just come back on a Sunday morning and experience the presence of God. It's that you will on How many of you need it by about 8.13 on Monday morning? You need the presence of God. A little bit down the freeway. First concrete pour job on a Monday morning, right, where somebody didn't show up on time. The forms are not ready. Concrete's there. The the pump truck's there. The pump truck man is worshiping God with the way he swings the boom, getting ready to deposit the concrete gloriously in the spot where it goes. And somebody hasn't done their job at 8, well, for you, it's 5.13 in the morning. And there's that moment where like, God, I need your presence right here and right now. And if you understand how to access the presence of God, what do you do? You lean forward at that moment and you turn the knob and his presence fills your car on the way to work. His presence fills your cab. His presence fills your Zoom call with your teachers. If that's, it it is possible, okay, on a Zoom call. It's, It's in a crazy office setting. It's in looking at maybe some of the realities of your life. It's that moment of worship. That brings God's presence. And it's meant to be more than just a key that unlocks his presence. All of heaven unlocks when he's there. Jesus did not feed multitudes that he was not standing in. There's no other recorded multitude that gathered 5,000 people and a miraculous hall of fish and bread happened as they stood there. Miracles happen where the presence of God is. I'm just telling you, in your home with your spouse, with your kids in their bedroom, with your finances. You bring the presence of God into any place, and you can expect the miraculous touch of God gets all over that thing. Psalm 100, verses 3 through 4, beautiful portion of Scripture. It says, know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people, and it paints the picture of us being the sheep of his pasture. He's the shepherd, we're the sheep, and it goes on to say, enter his gates. In other words, you're able to, as a sheep, go into his gates using a key, and it says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Now, a lot of people see this as something we do and and because we're experiencing God's presence i want you to know that this is really meant to be a formula so that when you're not experiencing the presence of God god has given us these de- demonstrative forms of worship so that you and i can step into something we're not experiencing when you're feeling dry when you're feeling alone when you're feeling man where is god i'm just i'm telling you out loud i would challenge you lord i love you god i honor you in this moment father i lift my hands Got to call out on you. I would challenge you to do this in your home. I would challenge you to walk around and get get used to practicing this at home. Practice this at home. Practice raising your hands at home. Your neighbors already think you're crazy. They do. I, all of my neighbors are crazy. Some are probably watching right now. They're all crazy. And so seeing me walk around my house doing this and doing this, there's that awkward moment. Rowena comes out of the bathroom while I'm praying, and I'm like, hey, hey, how's it going? <laughs> I was just talking to the Lord, okay? And... You know, but it, it brings the presence of God and me stepping into the presence of God using the key at any time that I need to. Amen? Amen? Two seconds in his presence can do more than a lifetime of study, hard work, counseling. Hard work's good. Counseling's important. But I'm telling you, I'm convinced that two seconds of you in God's presence can change your physical condition like that. Ultimately, healing happens Because the presence of God shows up. That's it. Faith without God's presence is not faith. It's tangible. It's it's a sense when I go to pray, before I go to pray for somebody who needs healing, me and God in the car, we're having a meeting. I ain't going in there without you. There's no sense. You got to go with me. And when I reach out my hands, my expectation as I lay hands on someone, as you lay hands on someone, is that God through you, his presence tangibly felt in their life. That's what brings healing. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. Um, Rowen and I, back in 1992, we moved to a place called Man's Choice, Pennsylvania. You'd much rather have God's choice, I can assure you. <laughs> Although Man's Choice was spelled with two N's. It was the name of somebody's, a founder's last name. We got there as a very rural setting. There was only 5,000 people in the county. Our little town only had 300 people. There was actually a horse-watering trough. Nobody used it, but still at the post office just around the corner from us. And so in our church, we had about 100, 150 people. It was a strong church in the area, not very demonstrative in the worship. And we took over student ministries. And I'm telling you, we had about six students in our youth group, and it was the toughest six kids I've ever dealt with in my life. And we've been inner city. These kids were hardened and jaded from a lifetime of being in church and not experiencing the presence of God. There is nothing that will harden somebody like that, I can assure you. And so for the first year and a half, we did everything that we could. We had one girl, her name was Tricia. She would bring her Harlequin romance book to church, which was pure evil back then, especially, to read anything but the Bible, and she would read her book to the moment I said, okay, let's jump in, and she would close the book and politely put her head down on the desk, because posture communicates things, you are putting me to sleep, old man, and I was only in my 20s at the time, so I remember a year and a half into this, we took our students to our denominations, Big winter fest. they called it, and it was, I was excited, we took about a dozen kids, I thought, this is going to be the thing that unlocks everything. We made a bunch of youth group shirts, and back then, we didn't have the cool people designing stuff. It was just me, and every one of the kids in our youth group hated the shirt I made them wear. They would put a jacket on over it and close it up. They didn't want to be identified with me. Our church, our youth group didn't want to be at this conference. And while there was 2,500 kids in the room participating, my kids sat with folded arms, heads on their knees, really spacing out. Now, I was personally embarrassed, and that's good sometimes. That'll do something good for your soul, right? Um, But I was also not shocked because what took place during this conference was performance. There was quartet. They were dressed in um, purple tuxedos. My kids are from the farm. They're up there singing four-point harmony, and my kids are like, what does this have to do with me? And then there was a comedian who told a bunch of jokes that were funny, but there was not a sense of God is here. I remember walking away from that conference saying, I don't blame them for sitting there with their arms folded and their heads on the, you know, on the, back on the chair and drooling through the whole thing. And Rowena and I talked. We said, we've got to find something that's life-giving to take our kids to. And so we found, we got a flyer in the mail. It was this conference. It was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And we took six kids in a van to this conference. And I'll tell you what, it was, there was no four-point harmony. There were no tuxedos. There were no professional humorists. But I watched the guy step onto the platform with a guitar and crank out songs that only, Steve, it was easy, three notes and then the minor. So G, C, D, A minor. For musicians, that's like, seriously, I could do that in my sleep. That's what he led with. The lights came down, the team began to sing, and I'm telling you, there was an expectation that we're gonna meet with God. Yeah. Now you're gonna be impressed by my harmony, now you're gonna hear my funny joke, I'm gonna sell some books afterwards. It's you are not going to escape a moment of experiencing the presence of God. I heard hardened kids, I'm talking about belligerent towards the things of God, begin to join into the singing. Man, it got louder. I'm not one to turn around. I don't turn around and spy on you guys during worship. I hate when pastors do that. They're like, I just want to, well, who's back there worshiping? That's awkward for you, right? I mean, what are you, the principal checking to make sure I'm doing my homework correctly? But man... (laughs) I could hear them singing. I could see out of the peripheral vision. And I could hear a different tone in their voice. And a breaking happened that week. It was amazing. We sat in the van after the first night and after the second night. And these kids talking about, wow, I've never felt God like that ever before. And I remember we made up our minds starting in youth group that week. Little group of 12 kids. Several kids got saved that weekend, even Sunday, after we got back from that conference. And I pulled out my guitar. Yes, I can play guitar. You don't need to hear it, but it, just trust me. It's amazing. And we had a guy who barely played electric. And another. we set up some drums. We spent some money on a sound system. And every single week in that little group of about a dozen kids, we began to worship God and it wasn't like it wasn't 6 months later that we had a room full 75 students in that room kids coming from the high school multiple bible studies set up on monday mornings before school started our students leading that the next time we went to the conference we actually bought a 55 passenger coach bus and filled it and had to take another van to the next conference and there i got a picture standing out in washington dc about 70 kids all wearing the shirt that I created, <laughs> proud to wear the shirt that I created, because they were, they were like bright orange. And I still have that picture to this day of those kids standing out. And what God did, why? Because somebody reached out and grabbed onto the handle and unlocked the door. Worship is a powerful, powerful, powerful thing let me give you a final point, and I'll I'll try to finish with this. Um, Everything in the world will push back against you becoming an effective worshiper. Everything. I'll just stare you in the eyeballs for a few minutes here. Everything in this world is going to fight against you becoming an effective, free worshiper of God. And the pushback will come from all different directions. It's going to come against those of you who are on the platform. You play a key role in leading people. It's going to push back against you in a chair. It's going to push back against you as a musician. We'll we'll experience a pushback just with technology. It happens all the time. You heard it this morning. There's that thing going on, right? Why? Because everything in this world is going to push back against you becoming an effective worshiper. You go to reach out to open that doorknob, there is so much at play every time you do that. There is so much at play. It is so much. At, there are things being opened and added to your life as you worship God that you have not even thought about. And the enemy of your soul, the world itself, does not want you to be effective. I personally believe that one of the, the uh, whether engineered by man, but definitely by the wicked one, is to keep God's people from gathering to worship. That has been the byproduct of this season. And I appreciate those of you who are at home I respect you. I did church at home as well. And I can tell you that it was a struggle to engage in, in demonstrative worship in my PJs on my couch. I remember the first time that we had Connect Group where we watched the live stream, and I bawled like a child in the Davenport's house. The power of a group of people grabbing onto that doorknob. And in, it was eight, probably seven or eight weeks in, that door opened up, and I could feel God in a way that I had not felt Him in a couple of months I felt like, like, like desert sand soaking it in, and it's amazing that everything will fight and push back. Here in this case, we've got the pushback David gets is from his own wife. It's remarkable. It will come at you at all different directions, either intentionally, unintentionally, visibly or invisibly, just even the voices in your head will fight against you it pushed back against you becoming an effective worshiper. So David worships before the Lord, and his wife sarcastically hits him with, um, How glorious was the king of Israel today? Uncovering himself. He was wearing the, out, the garb of a priest, but she didn't like that. That's really what he wasn't, he wasn't running around in his skivvies, okay? He, he wasn't naked, all right? He wasn't exposing himself, but as a king, he was actually wearing a priestly garment. You know, when you step into a place of worship, not everybody is going to celebrate what you're doing. Some people, as you study the life of Michael, she was deeply bitter, and she struggled. I promise you, she struggled to step into the presence of God, and you being able to step into the presence of God will anger some people in your life, because they don't have the freedom to do the same thing. There will be pushback, and she goes to call him out, and I love how he responds. He says, you think that's something? I'm going to become even more undignified than this. He wasn't saying, now I'm going to tear off all my clothes and streak through the neighborhood. He wasn't saying that I'm going to to do double, triple axles instead of single, single axles. He was saying, you you think that's something? You're wanting me to turn down the dial of my worship? I intend to turn it up. The word undignified, it means to, to advance forward, to actually become quicker and faster and to run in said, I will become even more undignified. And in several translations, while you turn the dial down, I become a base in your eyes, I'm actually going to turn up my worship. And for God and for others watching me, it will allow their volume knob to go up as well. David pushed back against the pushback. The voices that you're going to hear, and I know, because you thought you were the only one that can hear them, right? But I can actually hear the voices as well. Um, well, you know, the Bible offers the raising of hands it's more like a suggestion right singing out loud that's a suggestion that's uh, it's only for the good singers right why I, why do i need to pray out loud you don't need you've said this to yourself at times why does he want me to pray out loud i could pray quietly i know you've said that you know why cuz i've said that but scripture talks about praying out loud why because there will be pushback in you becoming effective. Well, I just feel like those are suggestions. Look, the Bible's not a book of suggestions. It's a book of commands or formulas to unlock the very best that God has for you. We're living in a generation that has turned the Bible into suggestions, and I can tell you it's far more than that. Well, I don't worship that way. Well, tell me what way do you worship? Tell me what biblical forms of worship you engage in. Well, well, I, I don't feel comfortable worshiping that way. I, don't, I didn't feel comfortable the first time I kissed a girl, but I got really, really good at it. With Rowena only, of course. I tell this little story the first time I ever kissed Rowena. The story grows as I tell it, but this is how it went. This is how the story goes. I, uh, I, I kissed Rowena, and I swear there was a pause, and she said, wow. And that's what I imagine she says every time. But I can tell you the first time I ever kissed a girl, it was about as awkward as anything. It was out in front of roller skating. This girl made me kiss her while her mom sat in the car honking the horn. And then I won't even tell you what she said after she kissed me. It wasn't good. And she walked away. It was awkward and weird. There was not emotion in it. And yet somehow in the process, the awkwardness did not keep me from pursuing a form of affection that's incredibly valuable with the right person at the right time in the right place. Amen? Amen? I tried it and I didn't feel comfortable. Well, you grow to feel comfortable. I, don't, I just don't feel like it. I don't feel like it. You're more likely to act yourself into feeling than feel yourself into acting. That's the truth. You are more likely to act yourself into feeling than feel yourself into acting. Okay? Uh, There's peer pressure to do it, and I'm not going to respond to the peer pressure to do it. Well, peer pressure to do a good thing is actually good. I know some of you students, you're like, I don't want to worship God because my parents, I know they're going to see me, and then they're going to make a comment in the car on the ride home. Listen, you got to milk that cow for all it's worth. You're going to find that's actually going to work in your favor. I'm not saying just worship God so they'll take you to Burger King. But there's something about kids who are stepping into God's presence that makes you want to go to Burger King afterwards, okay? We actually sometimes don't worship God because we actually feel some peer pressure not to. This creeps in at times. It's like, I don't don't want to be the only one to get out in front. You know what leadership is? Getting out in front when nobody's with you. It's a scary place to be. It's, I'm going to worship God before you do, and I'm going to set the tone. Do you not understand that you have more power in what happens during worship in this room, in that chair where you sit, Marina, than anybody on this stage? It's power. I'm telling you, it's powerful. It's powerful because what I watch is there's this invisible thing in between the here and there. There always will be. But our church understands it's not what we're doing, it's who we are. There's also guilt and shame. I'm I can't worship God demonstratively. Man, I know what I said this week. I know what I did. I know my attitude. Anybody? I've walked into church with my hands in my pockets and said, and I've said, I'm so unworthy to worship God today. At your most unworthy moment should be the moment that you engage. Well, yeah, but what if my parents they I was a jerk on the in the car on the way here? Now they're going to see me worshiping God. What a hypocrite. When I see worshipers, I don't see hypocrites. I see dirty people being cleansed. I see wrong attitudes being made right. When I am at my worst is when I need to worship the most demonstratively because of what it does. Would you stand with me? There's the, I don't want to be like that one guy. You know, the worship freak guy? Everybody knows a worship freak, Right? I don't want to be like that guy. I'm going to tell you something. The older you get, the more you will you will actually admire that guy. He may not have all his act together, and it may draw attention to other people who are like, what, what is he doing? I found that those types of people are valuable, though, because it helps to loosen up the rest of us who are so dignified in our worship. It's really called holding back. David said, I'm going to push back on all forms of pushback. He said, I'll become even more undignified than this. I just want you to just stand where you are. I'm going to pray over you, and then we're going to sing this final song. And I want to challenge you to do something, maybe after, right in this moment, but also maybe in the next 28 days to come. February has 28 days, beginning tomorrow. I want you to set aside just five minutes to worship in a way that you don't normally worship, a way that's demonstrative, a way that's biblical, a way that you're uncomfortable with. Maybe it's praying out loud. Maybe it's even stepping into prophecy. Maybe it's walking around your house and anointing your house with oil. Maybe it's standing in the backyard and quoting scripture at the top of your lungs, clapping your hands till they sting. Let this be 28 days of stepping into a new place, becoming a worshiper of God, becoming more undignified than your current dignified form of worship that you're offering to God. With hands raised, we're going to sing this song. Father, I pray a blessing over your people. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. And everyone said, Amen. Come on, let's worship God for a few moments. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, leaders, and what we do at C3 Church, visit our website at c3swwa.com.